Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's up? So much, David. How are you? How's uh, how's Lakeland treating you? I know you're in Lakeland for high school basketball state championships. Yeah, I, I got a couple of days uh, back, um, so that was good. But, yeah, I kind of like Lakeland. I feel like I've talked about that in years past. Underrated little uh, Central Florida town. They got they got the magic there. They've got a uh, got a lot of swans. There's this like thing that there's there's this like lake swans? in Lakeland. As you might guess, there are lakes in Lakeland, and there's this one lake that's just like infested with swans. And apparently, at some point, so they had swans like a long time ago. Like I don't know, in like the early 1900s or whatever. I don't know how they originally got there. But at some point, they all kind of died out, and someone, this is, I don't know, like this, I don't know if this is urban legend, but there is like an article about this that I read, like on like the Lakeland Historical website, because someone told me this and I wanted to look it up. Someone wrote to the Queen of England, and she sent two royal swans to Lakeland, and the, all the swans in Lakeland are descendants of those two swans. Someone lied to you. <laughs> And there's a thing on the Lakeland Historical. I don't remember exactly where I saw it. Lakeland Swan. I'm going to pull it up. No, I believe you. That's pretty interesting. I, for me, Lakeland is, I know we've talked about this too in you, past episodes. Was, I don't know if you found that Cuban restaurant I was telling you about. Oh, but. yeah. we got You got to text me that at, when we get off air. All right. All right. Well, I'll do that. Yeah, I got I to gotta check it out. Um, let's talk some heat. You want to talk about the heat? Yeah, we should. We probably should do that. Yeah. Um. So, I guess where I'm kind of at on the Heat, and before last night's game, I think we were going to probably come on and talk about, like, oh, they figured it out, basically, right? Like, last time we recorded, uh, it was kind of right after that West Coast trip. I think they played, what, the, the Raptors game. Um, I think we recorded, actually, before the Raptors game and then didn't feel like we needed to change things because they won that Raptors game. So... Then obviously they just kind of kept winning at home until last night when Jimmy Butler doesn't play and, and they lose to the Hawks. Um, so I'm kind of at a, a point where even though they lost last night, it doesn't kind of change my big picture thoughts because this team, it's something we've kind of joked about on here. Like Jimmy Butler is making an MVP case. Like he's not going to get votes probably. I mean, he'll probably get votes, I guess. He's not going to be like a serious contender. But um, last night, I think, like, clarifies why this team was whatever they – I don't even remember what the, the they bottomed out at record-wise, but why they were what they were and why they are what they are now as we head into the All-Star break. And it's, it's really as simple as just Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I mean, you look at all the numbers. You don't even have to look just at last night. I mean, the 80 points, the – probably the worst offensive performance or one of the worst offensive performances this season um, against really not a good Atlanta Hawks defense. Um, but, you know, they're 4-10 and 10 without Jimmy this season. Yep. They're 13-8 and eight with Jimmy. Um, and that includes some some games, in, in, you know, at the start of the season where Jimmy probably wasn't himself yet with, because of the ankle injury. I know you went like 0-6 for 6 or something like that against Dallas early on in the year, and they lost that game. But they've been really good with Jimmy for the most part this year. And, I mean, look at the on-off numbers, which we I think we feel like we talk about weekly with him. 
You know, they're outscoring teams by five points per 100 possessions with Jimmy on the court, and they're being outscored by 6.9 points per 100 possessions when Jimmy's not on the court. That's like a 12-point difference. Um, that basically, you know, you take that number, and they're basically the worst team in the NBA <laughs> when Jimmy's not playing, um, which probably should not be the case based on the talent on this team. Um, but it's the truth of the matter, at least so far this year. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think Jimmy's probably going to win MVP just because he hasn't played enough games and, you know, there are bigger names out there and there are a lot of great players. But you just look at the numbers and that 12-point swing and the difference, you know, between him being on the court and him not being on the court, he probably should be in some in the conversation at least uh, for that award. Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of, you know, but you get to vote for five guys. So, like, I, I think if you sampled, like, a hundred people right now. There'd be some people that might have Jimmy Butler on the ballot. Do you get an MVP vote? Do Do you get to make a put Jimmy Butler on your ballot? Um, last year I did. So yeah, it rotates, right? Um, like you get yeah. yeah, I think I've gotten it a couple times in my four or five seasons covering the team. Um, we'll see this year if I do. Um, but I, I yeah, I, I I mean again, he's missed how many from like fourteen games I think this year. So that's going to play yeah. a factor, obviously. Um, but when he's been out there, they've I mean, been... even his counting stats are crazy, right? Yeah, right. Like, his efficiency like hasn't been... The scoring's, like, in the efficiency, but the fact that he's averaging 7.8 rebounds and 7.8 assists per game... Right. Like, he's and just tied free... LeBron in assists right now. Yeah, and, and, like, yeah, his playmaking. And just the, getting to the free-throw line, like, he, his ability to get to the free-throw line... Um, and you know he did this last year too, but he's doing it again this year. It it really changes Heat's offense. Like he controls the pay, he controls the game basically when he's out there. Um, able to get the line pretty much whenever he wants to, um, and get the Heat some relief points. And you know that allows the Heat to set their defense as well on the other end. Like it, Duncan said last night, like the thing they miss with Jimmy offensively is a his ability to get into the paint attack and bend defenses. But B, his ability to get to the free throw line because that really controls the pace and tone of the game. So, right, yeah, this is this is a totally different team without Jimmy. You know, we can get, and I'm sure we'll talk about Bam and you know what he did last night. It, you know, wasn't a great performance by him. Um, and he 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 took he took ownership of it. He said he needed to do more. I think he took like seven shots or something like that, which is just not enough. Um, he took he, he took eight shots. It's not enough when Jimmy's not yeah. playing. I think he had two rebounds and three assists. You know, we could discuss that, but but really, I, I think the thing we've learned so far over the first few months of the season, Jimmy is still the best player on this roster. I don't know if it's even that close. Yeah, yeah, I think it was kind of something that um, really, actually, I would say, kind of all through last year, we, I don't know, if I would say we went back and forth, but we we were open to the idea that Bam was the best guy all throughout last year, the regular season, I would say, and then I, I think by playoff time, obviously, like. Um, you know, Jimmy was, you know, they were, they were so balanced in the early rounds, uh, but Jimmy still kind of had those peak performances, um, you know, against the Bucks, And then obviously in the finals, just the fact they won two games with, with Jimmy, like no disrespect to Bam, but that team does not take the Lakers to six games if Jimmy gets hurt instead of Bam. Um, and, you know, you, I, I always think of guys who are, um, yeah, you know, like I remember when like the Kyrie Irving versus Damian Lillard versus John Wall versus Isaiah Thomas, like when that was kind of a whole big debate. Um, and you would think of the guys that like kind of raise your ceiling 
in the in the playoffs, and Kyrie obviously is probably the, the top guy for that because you know he could score forty five on any given night and hit a game winning shot in the finals. But like, was a guy like John Wall more valuable in the regular season just because of like you know his his game to game production, the way he manages an offense, um, the way he defended at his peak? I, I kind of always felt that way about Bam. Like, is he going to raise your ceiling when it comes to playoff team? Um, you know. Or when it comes to playoff time, certainly, but is he, like, not to the same degree as, like, true superstars? But I always figured he was the guy that, like, would kind of steer you through rough patches in the regular season. He, you know, just hasn't done that necessarily this year. Um, so seeing Jimmy not only be the, the top guy, the the peak performance guy, the guy who brings it and elevates your championship playoff ceiling, but also the guy who, as you said, the record just speaks for itself is something that I think it was kind of like, um, I don't know, a little fair to wonder about who the, he's the most important guy was in the regular season. Obviously, there's, there's no question about it now. Yeah, and, and I think it's, you know, it's worth noting, not to not to just diminish what we just spoke about for the last five minutes, but, you know, when Jimmy has been on the court, um, Bam has been on the court pretty much, because Bam really hasn't missed many games. True. So he's had that luxury. Bam, you know, Bam's on-off num- on-off numbers are kind of hurt a little bit be- because of the fact that he's been on the court so much alone, you know, without Jimmy. Right. So you know, you'd, you'd have to imagine that Bam's on-off numbers would be better if Jimmy was healthy, for, um, you know, for most of the season as well. So that's something to you know to to also consider. But I I don't think it's I don't think there's any doubt that, that, you know, with Jimmy on the court, this is one of the best teams in the East, I would say. And without him on the court, statistically, they've been one of the worst teams in the league. So that's a pretty big swing. Yeah, and this is the last episode we're going to record prior to the All-Star break. Um, And I think that is, like, if you're trying to sum up what the state of the Heat is, it's basically like if they have Jimmy, this team is probably not the favorite to get to the finals, and and this competition is stiffer in the East, obviously, this year than it was last year, um, at least at the top end. You know, I, I know like the Celtics and and Raptors are not as good as they were last year. It doesn't seem like, but just the Nets and you know the Bucks being basically as good as close to as good as they were last year in the Nets, like it's just going to make it a lot tougher for the Heat to to get to the finals this year. But if Jimmy is around, like, I still kind of have faith that this team could beat anyone in the East uh, come playoff time. And um, it was something that, you know, even those first couple of games on the West Coast trip, which was, uh, I think we recorded like two weeks ago after the Warriors loss. And, you know, it was looking dire, And but obviously Jimmy was kind of still working his way back. And, um, you know, everyone kind of, it was, it almost kind of felt like, you know, every team goes through their, their rough stretches and, and just kind of happened that this rough stretch coincided with, like, the start of Jimmy getting back. I think the last two weeks, um, even with the loss last night, obviously with Jimmy not out there, uh, kind of confirms that the Heat are, um, you know, they're, they're I, I don't know if contender is the right word, um, but they are a, they're in the conversation once again um, to get out of the Eastern Conference, even if, it's probably even less likely than it was last year when they were, were a number five seed. I think people were kind of high on as a number five seed because of the way they matched up with Milwaukee and, and because we saw that the ceilings. We have we've not seen those ceilings yet with this Heat team and their their teams in the East that um, have kind of really impressed people with with 
their top end ability. Yeah, and I, I think you know what you what you said um, is is right. Like this team can beat with Jimmy with and healthy, you know, yeah. Jimmy and Bam healthy. Um, they can pretty much beat anybody in the league, I think. And I, I mean, you saw that this week with you know, they beat the Lakers. I know they didn't have AD, but they beat the Lakers on the road, and then they beat Utah, a healthy Utah team um, at home. You know, Utah's has the best record in the NBA and has been playing really, really great basketball. And the Heat found a way to win that game down the stretch. So um, it's it's you know again healthy, they can beat any team. But um, you know that's that. That's the thing about this team. If they're not healthy, like I don't know if even though they have a lot of depth, like they're they need everybody to be at to be at you know as good as as good as possible and, and reach that ceiling. Um, they can't be missing one guy because then it all kind of not falls apart, but it just doesn't look the same. Um, and, and and you know especially with Jimmy, who's you know like we said the best player on the team, so um, they, they can beat anybody. Um, but you know Jimmy Jimmy really needs to stay healthy, and you have to hope this knee injury is not a not an issue that will linger. Yeah. I think depth in the NBA can sometimes be a little bit of fool's gold. Like, you even think about it with the Heat last year, where going into the playoffs or coming out of the Bucks series, like, you thought this, that team was 11, 12 guys deep, right? Like, between Derek Jones and yeah. and Myers even and, you know, Kendrick Nunn, just all guys that have been important to this team at various stretches throughout the season. But, like, there's a reason, like, a guy like, Derek Jones is like an 11th man. It's because like sometimes he's just not going to show up. And in the playoffs uh, and in the finals, late in the playoffs, in the Eastern Conference finals, uh, probably even this year, you know, when you talk about the Nets and, and there's like real elite teams, I think, in the East this year, um, that depth like just doesn't becomes not that important. Like it, it helps, obviously, to have a guy like, you know, guys like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero because you need shooters uh, and even Kendrick Nunn right now. But like, Depth can come comes and goes quicker than than people tend to think. I think in the NBA, um, and you even see it with the Lakers. Like remember going into the finals last year, and obviously the injuries affected that because it bumps everyone up a spot. But the whole story going into the finals was the Lakers had the best top end guys, the Heat have the depth, and then the Lakers won that series. Not necessarily because LeBron and AD out played Jimmy, they won because, like, Contavious Caldwell-Pope was awesome, and, and Markeith Morris. Yeah, Rajon Rondo, yeah. Like, guys that – and the Heat's role players, for the most part, like, were not – like, Tyler Hero did not have a good series. You know, guys like Kendrick Nunn and Derek Jones were basically, like, irrelevant. Like, it flips really fast. Um, you know, when you're when you're not an all-star level guy, that that's, that's a big reason why, you know, everyone can hit shots in the NBA. Like, a you need to have that those top end guys, and that's why it's just important to have Jimmy playing at such a high level. Not to get uh, off topic here, but something that has popped into my head when we're talking about depth versus top end guys, and not that Utah doesn't have top end guys. I mean, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are really, really good players, right. but what does Utah have to do for you to really believe that they're a true title contender? Like, what record do they need to finish with for you to really think, okay, they're they're probably the front runners in the West? I don't know if I could ever think they're the front runners in the West. But yeah. I, I think, you know, I, people have compared them to, like, some of those Spurs teams, right? Like, I think you've heard the 2014 Spurs comp a lot for them. And I think maybe even, like, the 20 – what was the, the Spurs team um, that lost to the Warriors? I guess that would be 2016 when Kawhi got hurt. Yeah, I think that's 
16, right. I want to yeah. say. Yeah. Like, Maybe. if if they do something like that in the regular season, where that was the year where they were, oh, yeah, they were overshadowed by the 73-win Warriors, right? And then, um, but they were also, like, kind of putting up this historically great season. Like, you know, they kind of do something like that, where there's not a Warriors out there, but there is still LeBron. Um then I, I think I would buy in. Mean, they need they need to do it over like basically a full season. Like we're we're only halfway through. Let's let's pump the brakes. Could, could could they also be the Hawks though? The sixty win Hawks in two thousand fourteen fifteen. Yeah, I mean, they could be also be that. Like I need them to be better than that Hawks team, which that Spurs team was. I guess is is what I'm getting at. Like the Hawks, I think had the wins, but didn't have like the point differential and all that kind of stuff in the same level that that Spurs right. team. That's fair. and obviously that Spurs team was doing it in the West, so. That's fair. No, I just was thinking. I was thinking about that last week when he was playing the Jazz. That they're so good, but they don't get <laughs> nobody. Like I feel like nobody believes in them, which is, you know, I guess, you know, not. I don't want to say warranted, but you know, Utah hasn't had a lot of playoff success. And when you have LeBron in the conference, like it's hard to to pick you the Jazz over LeBron. So I get it. Yeah, and we we still you know you don't know about Gobert totally come playoff time. Although I think he can play in the playoffs, like. I think the league has kind of shifted back where these the big men are important. Again, even if they're not as important as they were in 1997 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with that. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right. uh, I think that's enough Jimmy talk at the top. Oh, obviously he will weave through everything we talk about here. Um, Like I said, we're kind of doing state of the team here at the midway point. They will still play the uh, Pelicans on Thursday. Um, do you expect Jimmy to play? I'm like not based on any reporting or anything. Yeah, it doesn't seem like like what's the point, right? Like yeah. pushing him back for one game when you can get him a full week and a half, basically of rest. Yeah, I could. You know, I we'll probably you know we'll probably know once this podcast is released whether there's a good chance he's in play or not because yeah. I think it would, you know based on if he travels or not. Right. Um, well, yeah. On on Wednesday to New Orleans, I think that'll tell us. Um, if he's going to play or not. But um, I, I don't know. I could see it going either way just because, like you said, the break, um, with the week-long break right after, it's kind of tempting just to keep him out and to give him basically two weeks or so off. Um, yeah. You know, that's that's a nice break for him. And, you know, long-term, it's probably the smart move. But I could also see the Heat being the Heat and saying, we don't we want to go into the break with a 500 record. Like, we don't yeah. want to go Especially into Especially with the losses. Heat kind of bunched. Like, one win could make a big difference. Yeah. And you have a week off right after. So let's just, Jimmy, come, you know, go out there and play. Um, and, and from what I have heard, um, you know, I don't think any, I don't think it's considered to be a, a serious injury. Like, it's, it's a pretty minor thing. So um, we'll see. I think there's a chance he plays, but I would not be surprised if the Heat just say, let's just sit out this one more game and give you two weeks straight off. Mm-hmm. All right. I want to talk about uh, the role guys that we kind of hinted at. We'll, we'll finish up with them. Um, we got to talk about, you know, Kendrick Nunn continuing to be good. And uh, basically all those guys that, that I said a couple of minutes ago are, are ultimately not that important, but, but are important still. 
Um, but let's start with Bam here as we kind of run through what we've learned from the first half of the season. Weird season for Bam, I think, is probably the best way to describe it. You know, his, his stats are as good, if not better, than ever. And yet, I think he has been um, – he's had to carry more of a load than ever because of the time that Jimmy has missed. And um, the Heat's record has not been good, as we've mentioned a lot of times already in this episode, when he has been the only guy out there um, – I don't want to, like, grade BAM season, but let's say, like, based on the expectations we had going into this year, well, how, how has he kind of fared compared to what you expected coming into the season? It's, it's like you said, it's been a weird season, I feel like, for BAM, because there are points in the first, you know, few months of the year where I was like, wow. Bam has Bam has uh, has elevated himself into a top ten player. Like those two yeah, Nets games in Brooklyn. Yeah, you still games, right? Like anytime you're like, what's wrong with Bam? And I almost feel like those games have, in a weird way, like worked against him this year. Where it's like anytime he has a game like last night, where he, like you say, he only takes eight shots, and you're like, Bam, what are you doing? Like it's not like we haven't seen him have a game where he takes right. twenty five shots and like is the whole offense and like attacks from the perimeter like it'd be one thing if we were like oh he's still trying to develop that part of his game like you know he's a center teams know how to you know can scheme centers out of the game but like we've seen that he can work around all that and then sometimes he just doesn't yeah it's I think that's what frustrates fans you know you know you look at Twitter like during last night's game against the Hawks and everyone's like what is Bam doing like how come he's just handing the ball off to guys and not being aggressive and looking at the basket and I get that, but it's hard, you know, like it's, you know, to kind of to play devil's advocate, like he's in this role when Jimmy's out there yeah. as this, you know, operating at the elbow or at the high post, um, you know, basically the offense going through him and he's, you know, with handoffs and, and you know, different cut off ball cuts, like he's he's making the offense go. And when Jimmy's not out there, it kind of has to be him being more mm-hmm. aggressive and looking at the basket and not playing that role. So... I think that's that that kind of flipping that switch. You know, he's still he's still kind of getting uh, learning how to do that. Uh, but we've seen he can do it. And I don't know. You know, he he never makes excuses about about injuries. But he's been on the injury report. Um, yeah. He was on the injury report last game, but for the past you know the, the the last few games before that, he was on the injury report with a knee issue. Um, and you know, I, I don't know how much that's bothering him. Yeah, I think he had he's had like one dunk in the past three games, so um, uh, you know that's not a great sign. But I think I'm gonna guess that he could probably use this week off, um, just because I, you know I, I would assume just based on his play last night and even the past few games while he's been effective, he hasn't been maybe as um, as as aggressive as usual. Uh, that the knee issue has something to do with that. Yeah, you mentioned flipping the switch, and you know that is. When you think of, when you talk about who the most important guy is on this team and who's the best guy on this team, that's what Jimmy does so well, right? Is he loves to be the facilitator. He loves to do that for three quarters every night, basically. But he knows. Uh, I mean, you saw it in the finals again. Like when the facilitating stops working, you got to be the guy who takes it to the rack and gets to the free throw line. And um, you know, in, in in so many ways, Jimmy and Bam are, are so so similar as players non, you know, mostly non-shooters, pretty good mid-range 
Um, get to the free throw line a lot. Very good passers for their position. Um, but Jimmy just still has that extra scoring knack that Bam is uh, still developing. And even you know when they score, you know they score in relatively similar ways, considering Bam is a center and Jimmy is like a small forward. Um, but that is the knack that that Bam has to get that that now that yeah it feel I guess is what you would say you know Jimmy knows basically when to stop passing and Bam will just he'll keep throwing you know he'll keep running dribble handoffs to Duncan Robinson all night long even if it's not working because it's like the right play to do but sometimes you know the right play is not the right play in, in that specific moment and that is the biggest differentiator and um it's the you know the the thing with this heat team is we it's something i feel like we keep talking about is they don't have a lot of shooters i know like the the duncan robinson tyler hero dribble handoff with bam is a huge part of so they don't have a lot their stars aren't shooters i guess i should say is a huge part of them getting those threes but still like the best offense in most situations for this heat team is going to be Jimmy or Bam uh, getting to the rim and getting fouled. And um, for Bam, for this team to, to compete with the Nets, like they need, they don't need Bam to obviously look like he did against the Nets when Jimmy wasn't out there and he scored, you know, 40 plus. But like they need him to be playing like that uh, style, I think. Because again, like role players come and go. And, and that's basically in a lot of ways been the story of the first half of the season. The story has been that when Jimmy's in there, they're really good. And when he's not, they're been inconsistent because role players are inconsistent. And this team is a team that has a lot of good role players, but they're role players nonetheless. And yeah, I'm not saying Bam is a role player because we've seen him be much more than a role player. Obviously, he was an all-star last year. He deserving all-star. Probably, possibly should have been an all-star again this year. But he needs to play like that on, uh, you know, when there's, he's a great, he's proven to be a great secondary player, a great secondary option. Um, but you know, as we said, like when he's been the one guy out there, um, and obviously, you know, when you're missing Jimmy, you're missing a lot. Like there's just money eating up, right? Like you're missing that. Let's say Jimmy wasn't out there, that money would be going to other good role players. Like he's he's not in a good spot when he's out there by himself. Um, kills his plus minus and all that on off stuff. But um, the he needs to be a true like number two. Like, I can get a bucket sometimes also. And he does it sometimes, but but if this team is going to be in that upper echelon, you don't, we, you know, we saw what happens when you have to rely on role players in the postseason last year. You need Bam to be more than that. You need him to be a true all-star rather than, like, a great secondary guy. Yeah, and, and you go through Bam's stat line, and, you know, the numbers are pretty similar to last year, except the fact that he's averaging 19 points a game. He averaged 16 last year. And I think the biggest improvement he's made, um, you know, on a positive note, is, you know, along with the mid-range shooting, the mid-range shooting has been, as we've chronicled over the past few months, a lot better, and that's important for him, but also the free throw percentage. I mean, he's shooting 85% from the line compared to 69% last year. Like, that 16-point jump is is huge for him, like, especially a guy who gets to the line, you know, six times a game. Like, that's basically where his extra points are coming from mm-hmm. um, at the free throw line. So... That's encouraging for him that, you know, I think we've, we both probably felt like he would improve as a free throw shooter because he has a good shot and good mechanics. 
Um, but to be at 85% after shooting 69% yes. last year, I don't think any of us expected that. And that is encouraging, I think, moving forward just because um, that's that's really efficient for a big man and for a guy who's going to shoot a lot of free throws. So the fact that him and Jimmy draw so many free throws and they make a lot of them, um, like you said, that's a that's one of the best parts of the Heat's offense. Yeah, it's what helps them – when you talk about the fact they're non-shooters, really, non-three-point shooters, and, and there's not a lot of teams that lean on stars that are non-three-point shooters, it's kind of what differentiates themselves. They're maybe like the best duo of, you know, I mean, I guess probably not the best, you know, the, the Nets now, especially with Harden, but like that, that, make, that's, that upset efficiency when these two guys probably lean too much on their long twos and stuff like that, Jimmy and Bam. But it makes up for it when you get to the free throw line. Like you become an efficient scorer that way, and that's certainly like what this team. You know, it's when I when I I feel like I just ranted maybe a little too hard against Bam, but it's basically like we've seen what the the ceiling is, and the ceiling this year is is certainly better than the ceiling was last year. But um, the consistency level, I, I don't say it it's worse than it was last year, but it just hasn't elevated the same way that the ceiling has. And that is um, – that needs to come up. You know, you, if you go into a playoff series against the Nets or the Bucks, um, and let's say that you're getting, like, the current iteration of Hero, Duncan, and none, which is, like, good, not great, basically, right? Like, um, then you need Bam to be – you know, if Bam has an off night, then you're probably not going to win. And – there have been some nights, you know, there have been, he hasn't necessarily cut down on those bad nights. And even his bad nights aren't always bad because he's such a good defender and all that. But, you know, he's he has nights where he doesn't look like an all-star, and he's got to look like an all-star every night come playoff time for this team to, to get back to the finals. Yeah, there have been a few nights this year where he's just like, i got to be more aggressive. And yeah. those are the nights you want to avoid as much as possible, obviously. So, um, yeah, I think I think that's been probably the biggest I guess that's what you would point to as, like, the criticism of Bam over right. the first half. Like, there's been a few games where he just hasn't been aggressive, and you're like, Bam, you, you know, you're so good. Why don't you look at the basket more? And he's and he knows it. Like, again, to his credit, he, after after last night's loss to the Hawks, he says, I got to do more. Like, I got to be more aggressive. I, I think he knows that, and it's it's hard not to know when you look at the box score and you have eight shots, and, you know, you're the, you know, you're the best player available on the team. Um, so, I, you know, I – I think he'll get better at it. Um, you know, there, there are, like we've talked about, there have been encouraging signs with him as far as the mid-range and the free throw, sh- you know, free throw percentage. Like, yeah, like the ceiling is higher. Improved, yeah. Right? Yeah, like, all, across the board, his skills have improved. Yeah, and defensively, he's still as good as ever. Um, but just the consistency, I think that's that's the one thing he's working through right now. Yeah. All right. Um, let's wrap up by talking about some of those role guys. Um, because, like I said, the season has been defined – primarily by whether Jimmy has been in and out of the lineup, been in and in or out of the lineup. Um, but working hand in hand with that is the play of the role players who have, I don't know, maybe like exposed, like I don't, I don't want to say exposed necessarily because like, what do you expect Duncan Robinson to be when he's like, has to be the second best guy on the floor. But like, they've been exposed to a degree. Like the fact, just the fact that they're role players, they're normal NBA role players, you know, better than average for the most part, I would say. Like, you know, obviously Duncan is still 
one of the three or four best shooters in the world. Like, obviously, Tyler Hero can still go off. Although he hasn't really had, like, I, I would say, like, his hot streak. Like, I, I think we're going to get a Tyler Hero hot streak at some point. Um, but ultimately, these guys are role players, and that has been just kind of a reminder in the first half of the year, I would say, is that these guys are, uh, you know, they're they're really good when Jimmy's out there and, you know, when, when they have to carry the offense, like, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't know what people expected. Like, when, when Jimmy was out, I, I don't know what you expected, unless you expected Tyler Hero to take, like, the leap to All-Star, which I think is probably the one thing maybe people did expect. Yeah, I, I you know, uh, as far as Duncan, it's really hard <laughs> to, to satisfy anybody after – you right. know, an all-time shooting season, like one of the best shoot, three-point shooters yeah, I mean, I guess in he, NBA history. He has been worse, but he's still, I don't know what his percentage is right he's, now. He's shooting 39% on 8.5 attempts, which is... That's pretty good. Like, it's not yeah. obviously all-world like it was last year, but, like, that's pretty that's good. Definitely, that's definitely above average. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's, that's good. I mean, yeah, five, five points off of last year's percentages, you know, that's a pretty big drop-off, but you know, based on a normal NBA player standards, like 39% on eight attempts, that is very good. Um, yeah. But, but you know, I, you know, I, I think there is room for him to, you know, to be better, you know. Yeah, and, I, and I think he'll be better there. in the second half. Right. Right. And, and and he's shown signs. Like, you know, defenses are really taking trying to take away that handoff and a lot of the actions that worked last year. And over the past week or two, he's really, you know, he's countered that with, some more cuts to the basket. Um, I think he had like two cuts to the basket, like in the first 20 something games. And he has like up until last night, like seven or eight in like the past week or two. Um, so like he, he's really trying to counter that with catching defenses off guard and the heat are, really, are, are getting some sets off. You know, they're creating some sets for him to do that where they empty the paint and he, he takes advantage. He just darts to the basket because the other guy's trying to, the guy's trying to take away a three point line and isn't paying yeah. attention to the paint. So, he he, you know he's he's found some type of answer to what defenses are doing, but at the same time he wanted to keep shooting threes. They don't want cuts to the basket from Duncan Robinson. So, um, you know it, it's it's a tra- it's a process. Like he's he's adjusting to the adjustment teams have made um, this year, and I think we've kind of seen that in real time where there are some games he just can't even get clean looks off. Yeah. And but lately, again, like I think he's been playing better. Um, and there's no doubt that he, whether the threes are going in or out, you know, in or not, um, the Heat's offense needs Duncan. Like, I, I almost feel like he's right after Bam and Jimmy, he's probably the most important offensive player to the team. Yeah, I agree with that. Just because, because of the I would say and, because Tyler Hero, you know, I think coming into the year, we haven't even talked about Goran Dragic once in this episode, which, like, remains kind of crazy. Like, the fact that he's just, he's missed so much time, and I feel like it hasn't, like, I don't know. It's just he's not an all-star, so it doesn't get talked about in the same way. But um, I, I think coming into the year, we thought like Tyler Hero was going to be this team's uh, third leading scorer, and he probably is right now, right? Sixteen point four points per game, but like he hasn't taken that leap to being like the true blue number three option. So I, I agree with you that Duncan is uh, probably the third most important guy to the offense because Tyler Hero is a guy who's going to like just kind of get his points. For, like, I know that sounds bad, but, like, you know, it, teams aren't changing their defense because of him necessarily, unless he has a game where he goes off for 30-plus. Right. And, and Duncan forces teams to change in every game. Right. And 
Um, just the just the way he can play off of Jimmy and Bam too. Like yeah. they help each other um, so much just because of you know their games complement each other uh, with his three point shooting and their ability to get into the paint. And you know you look at Duncan's numbers like when when Jimmy's not playing again this is the Jim, no Jimmy yes Jimmy theme that we've mm-hmm. had on this podcast. Um, Duncan's numbers when Jimmy's not playing like they're they're not great. But when he is playing when Jimmy is playing like Duncan is a lot better. Um, statistically, so I, I, you know, you kind of, you know, you you don't want to blame it all on Jimmy not being on the court, but Duncan gets a lot better looks and a lot more opportunities when Jimmy's playing. So I think that's part of why maybe his numbers are a little bit down while still mm-hmm. good. Um, they're a little bit down just because Jimmy's been out, you know, so much. Yeah, when when Jimmy and Bam are out there, you have to pack the paint basically. Like you gotta. You're you're throwing a lot of bodies down there, and it you either got to pick: are you going to have three guys guard the perimeter and take away Duncan, or are you going to have three guys guard the paint and try to take away those two two big guys? Um, and yeah, he's he's like the perfect complement um, for Tyler Hero and, and Kendrick Nunn, who I would say kind of like work in tandem this year when you when you kind of talk about what's what's up with the Heat. Um, because, you know, Tyler came into the year, we obviously had the Tyler at point guard experiment for the first couple of weeks that uh, we c- quickly aborted down here in Miami. And then, um, you know, Kendrick, I, I think has stepped up and been, I don't want to say he's been what we expected Tyler to be, because again, like, I think there were people that, and I think us included, who thought Tyler was going to be a guy who was like going to potentially push like 18 plus points a game this year. Um, and... I think to me that's the – if this team was going to be in that clear, like – I think there's a clear top two in the East right now, right? The Bucks or top three, sorry. I, forgot the, I keep forgetting about the Sixers when we talk about this conversation. But if, like, Tyler was that 18-point-a-game scorer, like kind of what we expected him to be coming into the year, um, then I would feel much better about the Heat in that, uh, like, top three, top four, that, that top-tier conversation. Whereas just the fact that he's – also been a, a guy who's been a little, you know, he's still been, he's still a role player. He's a guy who some nights is invisible. Some nights will score 20 plus for you. I think the three point shooting has been, it's kind of a, like weirdly a theme, just like these guys who shot really well from three last year have not shot as well this year. Tyler's at like 35% this year after he shot 38. And that's a big difference um, in the same way that, you know, the 4% drop, drop for Duncan's a big difference. Yeah, and and I was gonna point that out. Like when I look at Tyler's game, not only the fact that it's kind of been an in and out year for him, like he's changed yeah. roles from starter to bench. He yep. he had the neck in you know the neck injury caused him to miss seven games. Then he had the hip injury. I think he's missed um, eleven games this season. Um, you know, it's been it's been I don't want to say a turbulent year, but it's just been kind of hard to find a groove for him. I think just because he's been kind of in and out. Um, but the one thing I will point to with him is that I think is interesting is like you said the three point percentage is down. Yeah. It's probably lower than you than most people thought, thirty five percent. Um but his mid like he's such a good mid range player. He's, two, he's shooting over fifty percent from two points. Which is he's like shooting pretty yeah, crazy shoot, for a guard who's like not a star. He should get now a lot of that's because he's shooting forty nine percent in the mid range, which is yeah. I mean that's like that's really good for mid range for yeah. mid range looks. So it's interesting. Like I, I, I remember this was a storyline at some point last year too, where like he came into the league 
like taking a lot of mid-range shots and he's like that's just that's what I've always taken like that's what I'm yeah. comfortable in and the Heat have you know trying to get him to take a few steps back to take the three um, and, and we still haven't seen that as much he's still he's taking you know five threes a game um, or so so he's still taking a lot of threes but but he's so much better in the mid-range and so much more efficient. So I thought I think that's been interesting. You know, I, I'm guessing at some point that he will eventually get him to move most of those shots back to the three-point yeah. line, and he'll become a you know a more efficient three-point shooter. But as of right now, he's so much better in the mid-range than, than, than as a three-point shooter. I don't know if any of us really expected that uh, yeah. last year. Yeah, I think you – Talking about Tyler as the point guard at the start of the year, it's just a reminder that this team, like, you know, they're one game under 500. They might be 500 by the All-Star break. There's so much has gone wrong with Jimmy and so many guys and COVID protocols, you know, Goron being hurt. Um, it's just a, like this team is not at all – this clearly has not at all been what Eric Spolster and Pat Riley and, and everyone hoped at the start of the year, right? Like they start the year with Tyler. Clearly their their ideal vision at the start of the year was to have Tyler be the point guard. Like they wanted that to happen. Then, you you know, you got Duncan, Jimmy, Bam, and who was the starting power forward at the start of the year? Was it was Harkless the starter? Mo, Mo Harkless, yeah. He started opening night. Like, yeah. and you think about it, the Tyler at point guard experiment, that just like doesn't happen anymore, like ever. The... Um, Mo Harkless is like a non-factor ultimately. Like he's played a little bit. He's had some bright spots here. I still think we'll hear from him by the end of the year, but like he has clearly massively, uh, come in under expectations. Um, and then obviously like Goran missing so much time. I think I'm sure they expected that he was going to miss time. Just, you know, he's a guy who's tends to be injured uh, quite a bit. He's older, like coming off an injury. They want to just make sure it's ready for playoffs time. But, like, two of the Heat's five start, the five guys they expect to be starters have just not been. And that's a big deal. And, and the fact that, like, in Harkless's case, he's gone from being a, a starter to being, like, a non-factor. And in Tyler Hero, it's not just that he's not the starting point guard. Like, he's just not playing that point guard role really at all. Like, this, this team, when they were envisioning themselves getting to the finals, again – they had this – and, you know, teams always change, obviously, throughout the season. But, like, obviously, whatever you roll out on opening night is, like, in an ideal world, you, you are able to stick with that the whole year. And they've just had to change uh, the structure of this team so much that, like, you know, they, they've clearly, on the fringes, not lived up to expectations. Um, and they've made it work. And, again, like, we're only halfway through the season, less than halfway through the season in this weird season, like – Guys are gonna, you know, the, the shooting percentages for guys that have struggled will probably tick back up, and and Bam will just, you know, it's he was an All Star for the first time last year, like he's still learning, like he's gonna probably get better as the year goes on, and, and those role guys who came in and had basically no off season, like Mo Harkless uh, and Avery Bradley, and who have missed a lot of time, are, are gonna probably be bigger factors with this team by the end of the year, and a trade will probably happen, but like it's, you know. It's not overreacting to anything to say like this. These guys that the Heat thought I think were going to be uh, take real steps forward this year just have in small ways. But you know, I'd say statistically, Duncan and Tyler. Like if you look at the advanced metrics, I would think both guys are probably worse than they were last year. 
Yeah, and I, you know, the Heat has had to navigate a lot. I mean, a yeah. lot of teams have, but, um, you know, Jimmy, like we said, they missed 14 games, and then, you know, with the impact that's had on other guys in the roster and, and rotation rules changing, and Avery Bradley's hardly been available. Like, yeah. you would think Avery Bradley would be in the rotation at some point. Um, you know, if he, I mean, if he was healthy, he'd be in the rotation most games. Um, Goron missing a lot of time. Like, it's been... I could say this with like confidence, like I said it with Tyler, that it probably hasn't been turbulent. It probably wasn't the right word, but with the Heat, I think it has been a turbulent yeah, season. Certainly. And you know, uh, you know, obviously going to the break, if you, if they win on Thursday at 500, that's not really meeting expectations for a team that made no. the finals last season. But I think you take into account where they were four weeks ago at seven and 14, and you know the absences this team has had to deal with, and the fact that they have really haven't gotten anything from their free agent, you know, free agent additions this year, just because of injuries and different reasons. Um, you go into the break 18 and 18. And I think they're like right now, one game out of the four spot in the yeah. East. Like, I think you take that, you know, and, and, and you take that week off and you come back and hope that guys can stay healthy and, you know, you can play to the level that this team should be playing at. So uh, uh, yes, it hasn't, they haven't met expectations, but if they go into the break 18, and 18, even 17 and 19, it's one loss. With everything they've been through, I think you take that. And you're not happy, but you're, you're like, okay, we're still in this. And, you know, we're, you know, we've proven that one healthy. We're, we're one of the better teams in the East. Um, and I think at that point, you just got to, you got to pray to stay healthy and avoid the injuries you dealt with, you know, over the first half. Yeah. A second half fight for the four seed is, um, you know, it's not, again, 500 is not what you expected going into the season, but, if you told me the Heat were going to be the number four seed in the East, like, and again, like you said, they're a game out, and that'll be the goal for the second half of the year will be to fight for that four seed, I would think, right? Like, they're probably not going to catch the top three teams at this point. Uh, four back of the third-place Bucks, and, like, those three teams are all really good. Like, it doesn't seem like they're cooling off necessarily. Um, but, like, if you told me the Heat were going to finish as the four seed, like, that would be basically what I expected, right, coming into the year? Like, the East was kind of looked so even at the top uh, before the Harden trade that, you know, they, they still got a chance to ultimately, obviously, uh, meet bigger bigger expectations. The regular season was about getting it figured out for the postseason, and um, I think they've got answers, right? A couple of weeks ago, it was all question marks. Now they've got answers. And I, I think some of those role guys that I've been hard on here, like Hero and and Duncan, like, I just think they're going to be better in the second half. Like, they're good shooters. That The shooting percentages are going to come up. And, you know, there's there's been positive signs, I think, with, with pretty much everyone. Um, basketball can just be – it's a make-or-miss league. It's a make-or-miss league, <laughs> as they say. Yeah, and if Jimmy's available more, they should be better just because of yeah, that, Yeah, exactly. Too. That's you a know, good like... point. With the, you know, they, they complement each other so well. They need those shooters. Uh, they they coexist. They're like uh, – like those fish to ride on whales. Yeah, they they, they need each other, um, or at least they need him. <laughs> yeah, um, but they do and really he needs need them because he needs the shooters, yeah. right? Exactly. Not the point shooter. Exactly right. So, uh, and I think real quick before we end this episode, I think we have to we we, talk, we touch on it briefly. But Kendrick Nunn, yeah, to me, he's been probably the most su- pleasant surprise for the Heat this year, just because yeah, he was really good last season, but after the way last season ended and the way this year started, where he's pretty much out of the rotation for him to become a full-time starter again. Yeah. Because of injury, but I don't know if you can take him out of the starting lineup at this no. point with the way he's playing. 
he's been really, really good. He's even better than he was last year as a playmaker, yeah. as a defender, um, as a shooter even. Like, his three-point shot has even gotten better. So that's been a pleasant surprise for the Heat and someone they need, honestly. They, they need him. They needed a guy that to stabilize – yeah, well, that he's helped make up for spot. some of those down. Yeah. yeah, for some of those down years for for Hero and Duncan, and and obviously Goron missing a lot of time. Like he's made up for a lot. And Brett Avery Bradley, like Kendrick Nunn was not another guy who's not like his role has changed so much since day one. He like barely, I don't even remember if he played on opening night, but he was like not thought to be uh, like a no brainer to be in this rotation. And I think yeah, yeah, I, I think both of us have learned that with covering the Heat, like you and I. The roles are going to change so much with an Eric yeah. team. Like yeah. even last year in the bubble, like Myers, Leonard, and Kendrick Nunn, you know they go from starter, full time starters to not in the rotations in the playoffs. Like yeah. Eric Spoelstra has no problem adjusting on the yep. fly, and that's going to continue. Yeah. That's to been really year. important this year. Like I, I think that's like I, you know, when you look at the record that the Heat are seventeen and eighteen. Like suppose you know naturally like not going to get some flack, right? Just because, like, this team went to the finals last year and they've been kind of disappointing. But, like, they've had to manage through so much and the fact that, like, he, it's not for lack of trying on, Sp- on Spo's part, I would say. He's, he's tinkered. He's tinkered quite a bit, I think, like 18 yeah. or 19 different star lines yeah, or something exactly. like that. Like, he's, he's trying his best. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just been it's been an eventful first half of the season. I'm guessing those guys will welcome, you know, a week off um, for the yeah. during the break and – you know, again, it's not where they want it to be, you know, around hovering around 500, but they're in a spot where they can still get what they want, I feel like. Yes, um, and that's, and a, that's, that's the bigger picture. perfect way to sum it up. I think yeah. we can wrap things up there. Um, Anthony, uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, no, no all-star break coverage from you this year. Are you looking forward to the weekend off? Um, you know, I, yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised. I guess, do, we know Bam's, like, do we know if Bam's going to do the skills competition? Do they put out that full list? They put out the full list on Tuesday night. Um, okay. No, no heat participants. Bam right, was so invited. The whole, off. the whole weekend off. Bam was invited. He said he turned it down. Obviously, I, and that's not a surprise. He was going to be invited as a defending champion of that event, but he did not want to go. I'm guessing after not making the All Star team just to go for a 15 minute event, he didn't appeal to him. Nope. Um, and then Duncan was not invited um, to the three point contest. So mm-hmm. no heat participants. In any all-star event, only the second time that's happened since 2000. So ah, very great. rare. Yeah, very yeah. rare. You got any exciting plans for your weekend off? Um, No, just, you know, like most of us these days, staying home, enjoying the time off, yep. doing stuff around the house, you know, boring things like that. But it'll be nice to, you know, to get a, to get a few days off in the middle of this crazy season where it feels like there's a game every single day. <laughs> And there's a lot more in the second half too, right? Like a lot more back-to-backs and stuff like that. So I think nine back-to-backs and yeah, yeah same amount of games in fewer days. So it's going to yeah. be a busy second half. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DB Wilson too. I'm still up in Lakeland this week for uh, high school basketball. So if you're into that kind of thing, uh, check me out on Twitter and check out the Miami Herald. Um, obviously baseball season in full swing as well. And the Panthers continuing to play pretty well. They've lost a couple in a row. So uh, busy sports time, even as the Heat head into a weekend off. Uh, just go to MiamiHerald.com slash sports uh, for all that coverage. Um, and until next week, uh, we'll talk to you guys uh, later. Later.